So <clears throat> I've been sitting here trying to like just unpack my trip home, you know, to Detroit. And I'm just trying to unpack it. And there's just like a, I mean, a range of emotions and issues that have come up. And I think what 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 prompted me to start recording is that it occurred to me that when I go into that environment, I have to like not see stuff and not hear stuff to be able to exist in that space. Like I have to like not see and hear stuff in order for me not to be get not to get too overwhelmed. You know, it's like I have to remain as calm as I can. And in order to do that, I have to just like not hear what's going on in the moment and I have to not see what's going on in the moment because otherwise I would get to it would it would upset me too much and as I was sitting here what what solidified that thought for me is I had written on the top of a piece of paper I put you know a thin line between love and hate and while we were there you know my father was asking me when we were in the car headed to the doctor, he was asking me to put that song on. It was, it, I was, you know, the, he was first just naming the artist, that song by, you know, whatever, whatever. And then it, so then he starts singing the song, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. You know, in the moment, you know, I, you know, I'm always suspect about his actions and behavior and but in that moment, I certainly did not appreciate the magnitude of what he was trying to convey in that moment. And so, <clears throat> you know, and so I, at first I was like, oh, let me try to find this. Because, you know, when I go there, I often like put on songs for them. They'll think of something because it's, you know, for them, it's like, oh, you can think of a song and it immediately plays. And, you know, they love that. And so, you know, usually it's Miles. So I was accustomed to doing, you know, Miles songs. But this time he wanted to hear this, I think it's Johnny Lee Miller, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. And then, you know, in the next line I have here in my notes, it says, it's like my mother has to disappear to even exist in that space. And then I have, you know, and see, that's why you can never let your guard down. And I felt like... You know, it's like on the one hand, I do the same thing. I disappear because I can't function in that environment with 100% of me because it would just be too overwhelming. So I, I have to go as an avatar. And then, you know, but it's like, it's almost like, but I don't want to disappear to that degree because I felt like I was thinking about, you know, I was looking for the song. And then it occurred, it, once he said the words, that's when I was like, oh, but it still didn't occur to me how impactful that, I know he's always doing stuff like that, but it had not occurred to me how hurtful that would have been to my mother in that moment. You know, I'm just trying to dodge his bullets, so to speak. And, you know, I'm not really appreciating the impact on my mother. So I'm trying to keep it light, like, oh, what song, you know, whatever. And my mom, you know, I could hear her in her little voice saying like, no, don't put that song on, don't put that song on. And I was so caught up in the gamesmanship with him, I lost her little voice, which was like, don't put that song on. Like, you know, it's like, it occurred to me, like, men like that, 
that confirmed it to me. They get to a point in their own head and analysis where they do do things to intentionally hurt you. They know that will hurt you. They know it will. It's deliberate and intentional. And what happens is it's gaslighting to such an nth degree. The only person who it would really, really, really hurt is the object of their gaslighting. But I'm like, thank goodness I'm aware of that type of gaslighting tactic. I'm aware of it. it. It was done to me. So now I know how to pay attention to it. And I'm like, imagine my mom having to sit in that car for that ride, listening to that song where he's belting it out. That would have been so hurtful to her. And, you know, so then the second line of what I was saying is, so you see, that's why you can never let your guard down. And it, this is such a difficult analysis for me to have because that's my father. But he is also suffering from his own um, mental illnesses, which he has had for as long as I've known him, you know? So that's where you get that, that Jekyll Hyde thing because people see, people on the outside only see one part of them. You on the inside, who, the, those of us closest to them, like in, you know, romantic relationships or family relationships, you know, father-daughter, father-son, you know, husband, you see this oh man, this other extreme side that is terrifying when you're a kid and I'm sure terrifying as a spouse because you kind of never know when they're going to make that switch and they can go from being soft and syrupy sweet to doing something like put that song on, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, you know, which is the type of relationship my parents have had. I mean, they want to paint it as this beautiful relationship, but the entirety of their relationship has been this really, really, really thin line between love and hate. They, there have been times during their relationship where I genuinely believe that they have hated each other and have both done things just to hurt the other person, you know? And it, it was like this example to me where that is just absolutely what I don't want. Who would want that? It's not beautiful. It's not beautiful. It is a pretend beautiful relationship. At the core of that relationship is something that is really, really not right. You know, it's a codependency that they're so codependent upon each other. It's almost like they hate each other for their own codependency. And the closest example I can think of is like those two twins. Those two twins where their, their minds were so melded together and so merged together, it was almost like they became almost like one unified life, you know? And it was like almost like a sickness, like a virus. And I hate to describe it that way, but I see something not right there. And even though it's my own parents, my own mother and my own father, there is something so wrong there. That And they want everybody to co-sign and, and agree to them that the relationship has been beautiful. And there have been aspects of it that have, that has been beautiful, beautiful for them. It has been like torture to watch it from the outside, especially as one of their children. It has been like torture to see, especially now, my mom in this position where I know it's like, it makes me question what dementia really is and does she really have dementia or is this her protective barrier, you know, to protect her emotions and her psyche and her mental health. She's become this real, really teeny, she's like 
almost like ha- there's like a like a barrier. She she goes inside and hides to almost like protect herself from things like it's a thin line between love and hate. And he brought that song up the entire time I was there, like periodically. You know, he'd sometimes sing it. And, you know, and the thing is, my mom wouldn't even visibly react, you know, and I'm sure on the inside, though, she's probably crying. You know, I've done that before. I've definitely done that myself when, you know, someone who might be trying to gaslight me, they'll say something really, really, really small and it'll be so, you know, irrelevant to anybody else. But they know the depth of what they're saying and what they're doing, like that teeny tiny whisper that I, um, you know, recorded about maybe last week. It's like they know what they're doing. And I think that at the core of that mentality, what I saw in my own father is intent. And I think that's the part that they sort of like are able to kind of like get away with a lot of stuff because they always say I did not intend to. And I'm saying, I'm declaring, I don't believe that. I don't believe that you, there was a part of you that, that did not intend to hurt that person. I actually believe the exact opposite. I believe that you knew what you were doing and that you were intentionally trying to do something that you knew would trigger that person. It's like, you're, it's almost like you, you derive a degree of satisfaction of, from triggering that person because it's like, you want to be proven right. Like, oh, I told you she was stressed. I told you she was, because my father would do that to me. He kept poking at me, trying to make me burst, you know, because he knows I have a lot on my plate. So he kept trying to do that. And I'm like, that's why I don't F with you. That's why you, and that's why I call him Darth Vader. That's why I call him Darth Vader because of things like that to my mom, it's a thin line between love and hate. And then him to me constantly saying, you need to relax. That's as and anybody knows, that's like the worst thing you can say to someone when even if you sense they're stressing. And I, I would not give him that satisfaction. I kept punting away his attempts to kind of get me stressed out. And in fact, before I left, I was like, bye, I gave them both hugs. And then when I, but nevertheless, I had to t- carry that energy with me. I, I carried it with me from the moment I left all the way back. And that, and I'm just now unpacking it. And I realized, okay, I do what my mom does. I disappear while I'm there just so I can exist in that space. Because had I realized in the moment that the, 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 the degree, like the depth of what he was trying to do by ha- trying to have me play that song, you know what I mean? Imagine if I had put that song on and my mom just started crying. And then now I have to deal with the guilt I feel for having done that to my mom. And I'm like, and you sat there and watched that happen. And don't tell me that you didn't know, because you're talking about a person who ana- sits there and analyzes things to the nth degree. You know, and that was probably his way of trying to get back at me for something I said to him in February when he went off on me then. You know, it's it's like people like that will sit like like prisoners, you know, they think and think and think and think and think and think and think. So it's like every single moment they feel like they got to they, do this. I'm going to do that. And so that's why I'm like, see, that's why I don't F with you. That's why I don't F with you. That's why I don't F with you. You know what I mean? It's just some, it's a sickness. And it's like, why? It's like witnessing that <clears throat> is like torture. And I'm just, well, now that I'm back here in the comfort of my own home, I realize how, how much how much of myself I have to, has to not show up to even to be able to step foot in an apartment, you know? 
And then to have to be dealing with this the whole time I'm there, just a little flicker, just a little flicker, one way or the other. And this person can turn in from one way to the other. Jekyll Hyde, Jekyll Hyde, Jekyll Hyde, you know? Okay, that's all I'm going to say on that right now. The one thing that I think about a lot, especially after these trips home, I think about how do I make this not a tragic story? And then I start thinking about like the facts and the circumstances and I sit here and try to spin it into something not tragic. And so I think about like, how can I at the same time, like honor my parents and my family while being true to myself, which is examining these family of origin issues with an eye towards healing, you know, examining them from a mental health perspective. And the one thing I think about is the fact that my parents donated their bodies to science, both of them. I mean, they signed the paperwork and everything, and they're both very proud of that, that they donated their bodies to science. And I am just going to, you know, use this information on that basis and kind of like talk about this from the perspective of like a scientific or academic or scholarly endeavor, because I think the part of the reason why when people refer to these generational curses, I think part of the reason why they're able to kind of like continue is the fact that they never ever get dealt with. You know, people feel conflicted because they don't want to share their private business. They don't want to embarrass anybody. They don't want to hurt anybody. And so I feel like in a lot of cases, these issues go unaddressed. They go unexplored. And I'm just kind of thinking that, you know, my parents are 82 and 83. And, you know, I doubt that I would do anything during the time that they're alive. I feel like that would be my way of respecting what I know they would want, which is not to talk about this stuff. You know, I know that they have always wanted to like tell their story as a love story. And I think that there are many, many aspects to their story that would fall into that category, but there's other parts of their story that really kind of damaged us as children. And all four of us are still grappling with some of the issues that happened during the course of our life. And it's pretty easy to trace it back to some of what we were exposed to as children. And I don't know how you get to the core of that. How do you address that stuff without, you know, talking about it openly? I, I don't know. You know, I just, you know, I felt one thing I thought about was kind of fictionalizing it. Like, I was like, maybe make them like superheroes in talk about it from that perspective like I think about for example like my mother and my father both I feel like gave me this really powerful visual of exactly what I do not want in a relationship and to the extent there's any value 
that I take from witnessing their relationship is that it, it definitely showed me exactly what I do not want in a marriage, in a relationship. And it did, many aspects of it feel really, really tragic to me. And I feel like if there's one thing I'm grateful for is that I was able to <clears throat> to witness that because it kind of got me over my, like, I don't want to say, it, it placed into perspective for me my relationship with men and why those relationships were always so troubled and problematic. And it makes me not want to be in a relationship with anyone, especially a man, especially a man who has a similar personality to my father. It makes me not ever want to be in that type of relationship ever again. And it makes me want to honor my mother's strength you know, by living my life as an independent woman, not reliant upon a man, not needing a man in any shape, way, or form. That is what I feel like witnessing their relationship has kind of like infused in me. Like it inspires me to be stronger. It inspires me to be more independent. It inspires me, it's kind of gotten me over my lifelong quest for a man, <laughs> a relationship. I look at Every bad decision I have ever made has been in the context of a relationship. It's like relationships have demonstrated to me like the worst version of myself. And my hope is that I had this rare opportunity to see the worst version of myself. So now it's kind of like it's only up from here because that has this has to be rock bottom. This has to be the worst of the worst. And there's no other place to go but up because it's the bottom. And I feel like that I experienced that, you know, in the context of my marriage, I felt like I experienced like rock bottom, worst of worst. It does not get any worse than this, than living, you know, in your ex's, um, basically in the basement of his mother's home. Like, does it get much worse than that? I don't think so, you know, for this modern age. I'm so grateful to have had a place to stay, but psychologically and emotionally and mentally, I just don't think it gets worse than that. I don't know, to the extent, like, in defining your life as success or failure, I, I don't know, I don't know psychologically what could be worse than that. Well, no, I tell you what could be worse than that. What could be worse than that is having to, to do that and then being asked to leave. <laughs> Talk about a gut punch. You know what I mean? It's like that, that, that's the worst of the worst of the worst. And I just feel like, well, but what it did do is that it infused in me this strength and this desire to not ever find my place in that position ever again in life, in this life or any other life. And it inspired me to like transform immediately to the extent there's like real time evolution. I'm like, then I want that. I, I, I want to become a completely different person. I don't ever want to be the type of woman that could ever be so smitten with a man that I end up living in the basement of his mother's home. To me, it reminds me of like a like like one of those, you know, it, it was like almost like a like a fairy tale like existence. It, it almost didn't seem real. It seemed like I was living a curse, like someone had put a spell or a hex or a vex or, and I felt like I had the rare experience of having to live that and through living it I saw my worst case scenario but the trade-off is that but it transformed me 
it trans transformed me and it inspired me to basically wake up within my existing life and then to become a completely different person because I don't ever want to find myself in that position again. And I think there's many aspects of my parents' relationship that reminded me of the marriage I was in. And I felt like the reason why I am trying to honor my parents is that, you know, we never had great communication. And it's like, I'm just going to take that story and say, well, my parents demonstrated to me what they did not want for me. Like this was their way of kind of like communicating to me to get out, you know, by, by, by allowing me to see it. You know, maybe this was their way of saying like, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. This is what awaits you. Like if you don't do something now and I'm just gonna try to fold a story around that. Like it was something magical about it, not tragic, it was magical. And they did it so that they could show me what I was headed towards and to show me what I didn't want. So it was almost like this strategic, a strategically placed visual to wake me up to the reality that I was living in.